Keep on the sunny side, always on the sunny side. Keep on the sunny side of life. It will help us every day. It will brighten all the way if you keep on the sunny side of life. Hey everybody, this is Joe Martin. Back from man camp, obviously. Spent 10 days up in the mountains, or at least most of 10 days. And uh, it was just a great man camp. We had the most guys we ever had. <clears throat> we had great spiritual conversations, great times together. Of course, we had great cooking because Dave was there. And we had just such a good team this year. Um, just worked together so well and a lot of laughs and and uh, just really really a great time and um, uh, I think that uh, lots and lots of young guys and for those of you guys that came and thank you so much for being part of our experience together and that chance to disciple each other there and to just get to know each other and thank you so much for our really good team for Tim Fife and Steve and Helm and for Dave Griffiths, for Mike Wallace, and, and lots of others that really helped too. So, And thank you for those that have already signed up for next year to help out. So uh, blessings on that. You know, a part of our conversation at Man Camp was, it, was one of our talks was about lessons from the mountain. And Jesus, at one point in his ministry, took three of his good friends and they went up to the mountain. They were ready for something new, ready for the next thing. Not all of them, but they were. He took them up to um, what's most likely Mount Hermon, which was the highest peak in that part of Israel between Lebanon and Syria. And it's a mountain that's almost 10,000 feet high. So it was a serious effort to get there. And uh, I want to read this to you and remember that between... Um, Matthew sixteen twenty eight and 17, there originally were no chapter breaks because those were added later. But let's, let's look at these lessons from the mountain. Matthew sixteen twenty eight. Truly I say to you, there are some of those who are standing here who will not test, taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. He was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his garments became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three tabernacles here, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard this, they fell face down on the ground and were terrified. And Jesus came to them and touched them and said, Get up and do not be afraid. And lifting up their eyes, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. And they were coming down from the mountain. Jesus commanded them, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man rises from the dead, is risen from the dead.
You know, the call to discipleship is clear as we've been learning. He, first of all, wants you to learn to be with him, be with Jesus. To, and so all those, those spiritual disciplines of silence and solitude and, and prayer and worship, it's all for us to acclimate and to learn how to walk in his presence and to live with him. The second is to be like Jesus, to be like him, to begin to reflect his character. And ultimately, as he trains us on this apprenticeship, that we eventually will begin to be able to do what Jesus does. The great thing about the Lord is when we're ready, he's always willing to take us to the next stage in our apprenticeship when we're ready. In this case, it appears that only three were taken up. The rest were left, um, you know, he took them up higher to t- show them and reveal some things. But uh, the rest were continuing down in the valley. They were, um, most of the time they were spent arguing about who was greatest and whose ideas were the best. But Jesus feels that these three Peter, James, and John are ready to see him in a new way, to come uh, with with him and get a glimpse of his glory as no one else had. Of course, when this happened, Peter responded as any good first century Palestinian Jew would because of the idea of the temple and the tabernacle. Uh, Let's build a tabernacle for all three of you. It's what he would assume you should do in his old way of thinking about God. But Jesus was there to show them how to think about God differently. And so, very quickly, because I know this is a cabin talk and a midweek talk, but they, he really wanted them, in seeing the glorified Son, to give them these three lessons. And this comes from both the Father and the Son. First of all, we see that Peter, while he's talking and he's responding and he's reacting, the Father says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. The first, the first lesson we learn from the mountain is that we've got to learn to listen to him. I think that it's important for you to realize this is very hard for us. I know it's hard for me to learn how to be silent, to learn how to be still in the middle of confusion and anxiety and and strange experiences in life and things are coming at us that we've never experienced before, things like we've been through that we've never experienced before, to learn how to be silent and to be still and to have discretion and to not spend all of our time talking all the time. This is a command that we see throughout the Bible. Um, To all who will move forward in following Jesus, it's critical that they learn how to be silent. But when we just keep talking on and on, we sometimes imagine that if we just keep yabbering along and verbally processing that something smart is going to come out. But that often is not the case. In fact, oftentimes the most foolish and damaging and sometimes hurtful things come out. And this is why you must practice silence. And a lot of you who've been through emotional healthy uh, discipleship have learned more and more about this. But this is why you must practice silence and stillness 
And if you don't, you'll never be able to go on to the next level, no matter how great the revelation God gives you. The other disciples had had great revelations and seen miracles, but they had not learned silence. Psalm 62.5 says, My soul wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from him. This is a conversation with your own soul. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still, cease striving, and know that I am God, and I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. You know, when Elijah was in a crisis in his life, he listened for God when he was up on the mountain, in the fire and in the storm, in the wind, in, in all these things that happened, the rock slide. But it was only in the silence Elijah could hear God's whisper. Only in the faint rustling of the leaves, the still small voice. The second command, the second lesson Jesus gives, as they fall down in fear, they are frozen in fear. And oftentimes we, fear freezes us too, right? He says, get up. When, and I don't think he said it like that. He was probably a lot more <laughs> gentle. But sometimes we almost feel like we need to hear that. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground and were terrified. And Jesus came up to them, touched them and said, get up. And do not be afraid. A lot of people get stuck in their fear. Things they've been through, traumas that they've experienced. Some of you have been stuck for a long time. You're, um, as a matter of fact, you exited serving the Lord and following Jesus because of fear. Your hypervigilance. You exited serving and following Jesus and, and you've essentially been parked in kind of a virtual, spiritual, homeless camp. You're not really connected anywhere. You're just kind of bouncing around. You haven't grown. As a matter of fact, you've not just not only grown, but you've shrunken and withdrawn. And that's always how it is. There really is no neutrality in this. The lesson from the mountain is a word to you that says, listen up, but more than that, get up. Get up. Stop making excuses and trying to find a, a way that takes less faith to follow. Stop making excuses and trying to find some easier, more convenient way to follow and to love to find that perfect situation. And then Jesus, Jesus says to you, he's saying to you, he's saying to me, get up. Yes, we've been through a lot. Jesus says, get up. And then lastly, he says, don't fear. Get up and do not be afraid. You know, the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. Yes, we need to love Jesus enough to overcome our fears and be obedient. And to not just let our loyalty um, be a theory, but our loyalty be acted upon. As a matter of fact, um, loyalty only really counts. It, it only comes into play when that loyalty is tested. Perfect love casts out fear. Love Jesus enough. Love your church enough. 
and you won't fear following and keeping your commitments you've already made. Many of you listening to this, you've made commitments to your church, and um, but you've been stuck. If you let fear freeze you, you won't move. You won't move forward. As a matter of fact, you'll end up compromising because the fear of man, fear in general, but the fear of man in particular will will bring you to compromise. You'll you'll end up just doing what you got to do to fit in, to stay in your little tribe. And you'll stay down with those others. You'll end up with it being having gone to the mountain and, and experienced this revelation, but you'll end up being right down there with the others, fighting about who's the greatest, being powerless against the real enemies, not imagined ones, the real enemies of demonic darkness, as you'll see later in this narrative. You'll be stuck fighting against phantoms instead of what really matters. See, we're to, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And there's a lot of wrestling with flesh and blood going on. Instead of remembering that the real enemy is not the people in front of us, that our neighbors are not a battlefield, they're a mission field. But if you'll take these three lessons to heart, you will look up soon when you take them to heart and you you will look up and you will see what they saw. You will see the only thing you will ever need to focus on the rest of your life. And lifting up their eyes, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. The old saints would often say when someone stalled in their spiritual journey, or worse, when they fell into sin, they'd make the statement, well, brother, they just took their eyes off the Lord. You know, that may have been a colloquialism, but it's still true. You know, Hebrews says exactly this. This is what informed this old saying. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses in Hebrews 12.1, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy sat before him, endured the cross, scorning the shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, fixing our eyes on Jesus, focusing our eyes on Jesus, remembering it wasn't easy for him, but he did it because he loved the Father. He loved us. If you want to get unstuck, and you've been there a while, some of you for a long time, listen to him. And then get up and do the next thing. Do the basic faithfulness. For some of you, that may mean just getting up and praying today. For some of you, that means getting up and apologizing today. For some of you, that means you need to get up and go to church this Sunday. And then fear not. Fear not. He's with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you, he says. And if you'll do these three things, listen to him, get up, fear not, and you will begin to see no one but Jesus. Because no one but Jesus ultimately matters. And then follow him down into that valley. 
into the valley around your life. That's where the that's where his purpose for you lives in the valley where the needs are, the valley where your church is. Start serving again, start giving again, start sharing again in your witness by living your life for him, by loving for him, and by leading with the truth of God's word for him. If you do this, Jesus will keep growing you and revealing himself to you and using you. If you don't, you could stay stuck. You'll still keep regurgitating the battles and the ideas and the books you read in the 20 years ago or whenever, the last time you were actually growing. But God doesn't want you there. Jesus says, let's go up higher. Let's go up higher so I can take you where you need to go. Take you back down into that valley where the needs really are. Thank you for watching this. And remember, this Sunday is going to be great. We've got baptisms and we got baptisms, uh, we got an indoor baptism, outdoor baptism on Sunday. we got Lord's Supper. And I'll be talking about a subject around the Lord's Supper that because the Lord's Supper is an invitation for you to lose your religion and focus on Jesus again. Listen, I can't wait to see you this weekend. And remember, don't forget that breakfast class. We'll be talking how to share the gospel with people in ways that maybe you've never thought of. That's at 930 and there's a breakfast and you can go. There's classes for your kids. There's a whole thing. You can come to it. Just check it out. It's a really great time around the table. And then um, and then be sure to invite somebody and to pray for us. And for those of you who've been, you know, really faithful to give, um, thank you. And uh, for those of you that have not, we'll get up and get back on it. You can do that by just going to the giving um, giving menu on the website. God bless you, and I can't wait to see you this weekend.